Hey, this is Jim Fleming, and this is the Stuart Heights Fleming Sunday School Class Podcast. Here, you will find recordings of our weekly Sunday School class, as well as a few other teaching opportunities I get at my church. Now, this podcast is not intended to replace your Bible study, to replace your weekly church attendance, or to be your sole source of spiritual instruction. Go to church for that. This podcast is for members of my class who happen to miss a week here or there and don't want to fall behind. But before you listen to this episode, you may want to go to teachings.gym314.com and download student or teacher handouts, as well as any PowerPoints, so you can follow along visually and see what we saw in class, as well as take some notes. Thanks for listening. Come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app. I'd recommend Overcast. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Good morning, everybody. If you've got your Bibles, let's head to Romans. At this point, when you open your Bible, it ought to just naturally fall open to Romans. Uh, um, I've enjoyed being in a book this long. All right, as we uh, do each week, I just want to make sure and remind us that we want to be spending the appropriate amount of time asking the Holy Spirit for help. Uh, staring at the text and not rushing through this process. I I blow through this sometimes on Sunday mornings. Uh, But without the Spirit, the Bible is a dead book uh, because we have no power to understand. So when we approach the Scripture as, I'm going to bring my intellect, I'm going to bring my knowledge, I'm going to bring my experience to the Scripture, and I look and I read and I study, without the Holy Spirit, it's just head knowledge and there's no love and it's not good. Uh, And it comes across as very, very dead and dry. So we make sure we ask the Spirit for help and then stare at the text uh, and, and spending time here, a lot of time, reading over and over and over and over. Um, I'm a big reader and I go back and I reread books sometimes and I reread a book and I'm like, yep, that's the same thing that I got the first time I read that book. So that's interesting. But I go back and reread parts of the Bible and it's, where was that? Was I asleep? No, I was just in the dark because uh, the Holy Spirit hadn't illumined that particular portion. So uh, a lot of asking the Spirit for help, a lot of staring at the text, and then talking to people. And that's part of what this is, but that's also part of what we've tried to do with our social media. Uh, on the back side of your handout, on, the, on page 3, actually I don't know what page number it is. It's page number 96, I think. So we've got 96 pages of handouts that we've done through this series. My teacher notes... My teacher, the second page of my teacher notes today is page 400, for those of you keeping up at home. So we've written a book on Romans at this point. Uh, but at the very back of uh, the bottom of page 96, you'll notice uh, our resources. So asking the Holy Spirit for help, the ESV copy of the Bible, that's what we're going through this year, uh, and then church. And if you go to that link, bit.ly uh, slash Fleming SS, uh, that's our Sunday school class. And then tools there is a page that I wrote for a whole bunch of different tools and resources and commentaries and Greek texts and all different types and ways to study the text of Romans this year. So if you're not familiar with those, just FYI that that's there. Uh, And I want you to know where we put the tools. We put the tools after Holy Spirit, Bible Church, uh, and then the tools come in. So we want to make sure we're doing things in the appropriate order. So today... We're in uh, Romans 15. We finished up Romans chapter 15. uh, And what we're going to do 
today is talk some more about how righteousness and salvation and life with Jesus Christ impacts Paul specifically. And we're going to talk a little bit about his travels. Um, So I want to give you a map kind of before we get into the text a little bit. There we go. And kind of point out a couple of different places. So so Rome is here in Italy. Uh, Paul is writing from uh, Achaia, uh, probably from Corinth, we think. Uh, Macedonia is just to the north. He's going to mention both of these regions today in today's text. Jerusalem is kind of home base for Christianity at this point. It's the launching place. He's, he's been here. It's where he started. He's, he's really taken the gospel to all of this area above. He talks about uh, Illyricum uh, in last week's text. And in this week's text, he talks about going to Spain. And so I just want you to have a, a picture of what we're talking about. And there, was no, there were no cars, there was no Greyhound, there was no uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. It was, it was walking and caravans being pulled by an animal. And this is months and months and months of journeys to get different places. Uh, and for somebody who would have spent a big chunk of his adult life being physically abused and traveling over hard territory, Paul probably looked pretty rough from a physical perspective. If you just think about, when was the last time you went camping for four months? Okay, well, that's kind of hard, right? So when he talks about, I'm here and I want to go to here, that's a big deal. It's a really, really big deal. So uh, just keep that in mind as we go through today's text. All right, so we're in Romans 15. Uh, We're going to start with verse 14 and read through the end of the chapter. Uh, And then we'll talk about the words and application and all sorts of fun stuff. Romans 15, 14. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given to me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, So that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. So this is the reason why I've often been hindered from coming to to you. But now... Since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey by there, there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. And at present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they also ought to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. And I know when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf 
that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So just to review real quick, Paul's here, he's going to Jerusalem, and then he wants to head back to Spain, and he's going to swing by Rome as he goes back to Spain. So if you ever think that Paul was a, oh, I'll just get up and go to so-and-so today, and I'll go, no, 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 Paul was a planner. <laughs> think about, I mean, you, you now, you would have taken a ship to get here, and then possibly he would have visited many of these churches. This is what he liked to do. He liked to go back through territory and visit churches. Uh, so he probably wouldn't have taken ships to go back and do some of this route, but he wanted to get to Rome, and then he wanted to get to Spain. Now, uh, if you have a study Bible or a Bible with notes, I want you to stare at the notes for just a second uh, around this particular text. And tell me what your study Bible says about Paul and his trip to Spain. Josh, you're shaking your head. Never made it to Spain. The, the reason we don't think he made it to Spain is we have no real record that he made it to Spain. Uh, we have one record of an early church father from about 110, 115 AD that wrote a very confusing, poorly worded letter that if you interpret it a very specific way and do some gymnastics, you might come to the conclusion that he was there about five minutes. But if Paul showed up in a town, what happened? Stuff happened, right? And it, and it lasted, and it stuck around. And we really have no evidence of any stuff sticking from a visit to Spain. So as we go through today's text, I want you to keep in your mind, Paul had a really deep abiding passion to go somewhere where nobody had ever gone with the gospel before. Simply because nobody had ever gone there with the gospel before. Which is fantastic. Right? We need people to have this type of a passion with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because there are still places in the world that are this. And, and this is where many of us come in, and we need people in Jerusalem and we need people in Achaia and Macedonia to fund the work to make it able to ha- be able to happen. Does this make sense? Because Paul wanted to eat on his way. Right? And, and he actually, the, the funny thing was, there was, there was so many um, new converts in Jerusalem when Christianity exploded there. You know, you just think about uh, on the uh, day of Pentecost, 3,000 believers came to Christ that one day. That's a logistical nightmare for church leadership, right? I mean, just think about this. The, the tactical boots on the ground... We open up the invitation in an hour and 30 minutes, and 3,000 people are standing outside of our church, streaming in, wanting to become members. Amen, right? This is fantastic. And you are all going to get immediately recruited into the service. <laughs> like, you are enlisted. We are, we are very quickly going to need all hands on deck. So... Jerusalem had a tremendous amount of resources, but they also had a tremendous need. So the gospel went out from Jerusalem. This is where the disciples were in Acts 2. It goes out to Jerusalem, out from Jerusalem, out to all of this area. And Macedonia and Achaia happened to be very wealthy places. So they said, hey, you've sent us the gospel. We're going to send you some resources because you need help. So this is the beautiful 
going and returning and, and Paul zigzagging all over the Mediterranean, and it's just a fantastic thing. So I wanted to make sure we understood the map before we went into the actual text too far. All right, so uh, any literary or structural observations? Are we quoting the Old Testament anywhere here? See any Old Testament quotes in today's text? Seeing none, I will take a second to uh, move on to the next section. So what do the words mean? Uh, let's jump into the words. So this is the reason why I have so often been... Now, before we get into the words, sorry, I forgot. I want you to count the number of times Paul says I <clears throat> as we go through. Now, don't, don't check out for the next two minutes and count the words I right now. Just count as we go along because some of you little OCD have to go do this right now. I'm giving you a challenge. All right, so this is the reason why I have so often been hindered. And this is the imperfect tense. It's action continually or repeatedly happening in past time. So this is over and over and over and over and over. He's been hindered from coming to you in Rome. So Paul has, Paul has wanted to get to Rome many, many times, but something stopped him. Something stopped him. Something stopped him. And I would argue that uh, it is the sovereign hand of God that stopped him because it wasn't time for Paul to go to Rome yet, and that was okay. And didn't change Paul's desire, just changed the outcome. So just be aware. So this is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you, but now, since I no longer have any room or space or opportunity for work in these regions, the Greek word is uh, klima. Uh, it's, a, it's a climb. I, I learned a new English word this week. C-L-I-M-E. It's a tract or a part of a country with a different, um, with a different uh, weather pattern. It's where we get our word climate. So are there climes in the United States of America? There are different parts of the country where, yes, there's, there's quite a few of these actually. So for, I, there's no longer any opportunity to work in these regions. So I want you to physically look at the map and see what he's talking about. So he has spread the gospel all here. And he says, there's nothing left for me. <laughs> like That's a bold statement, right? That's a really bold statement. It's a beautiful statement too. When was Romans written? 20, 25, maybe 30 years after Jesus' death? And Paul is saying, I've checked the box on all this. That's fantastic. Like, this is spectacularly good news, the explosive growth of the gospel. And he's saying, I've got to go over here to Spain, where there are basically barbarian hordes, and we're going to go take the gospel to them. And if you want to do any uh, first century reading on what Spain was like at that time, it was not a pleasant place at all. It was uncivilized. It was uncultured. It was the opposite of Rome. Like, the the historical opposite of Rome. So he says, there's nothing left for me in all these regions. And since I have longed, I've had this intense desire for many years to come to you. I hope or I expect to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Now, <clears throat> that, that go is present middle subjunctive. So we're going to get Greek on you here for a second. And remember, the subjunctive is this, there's a possibility or a probability it's not the optative. It's not the there's a remote possibility. It's I think, I think there's a good shot this will happen. Now, let's also review for just a second that these Greek moods here are very much from the perspective of the writer. 
Okay? So the mood will tell us what the writer actually believes. Whether it is true or not, it is from the perspective of the writer. So this subjunctive, Paul actually believes there's a good possibility to get to Spain. And to be helped, uh, the, the translation here, a, a good definition of this word for help is to send forward. And to be helped on my journey there by you. Because if he's, if he's going to Jerusalem and he's coming back through Rome, this is on the way. So he's going to need, he's, he's coming to Jerusalem. He's probably going to swing back by Macedonia and Achaia to get restocked from a financial perspective. He's going to head to Rome to get restocked from a financial perspective. and Because Rome was a rich place. And then head on to Spain. So he had some provisioning. He needed them to help send him forward on his way on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed or satisfied your company for a while. So he's, he's, he does this in other letters in the New Testament where he says, I'm going to show up and just hang out for a little bit. And he's just kind of putting everybody on notice that you better be preaching the doctrine that I've taught you to preach. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid. And this is the word uh, diacano means to be an attendant or to wait upon. Uh, if we were translating, if we got a fresh, clean spot at translating this word into English today, I think the best way to translate it would be a waiter. Be somebody who goes and gets a order and then goes and fulfills it. It's somebody who sees the needs and fulfills the needs. It's a waiter, like you'd see at a restaurant. Uh, but what we translate it today is to act as a Christian deacon. To act as a Christian deacon. Now, we have several deacons in the room today. And if you're a deacon, would you stand, please? Here we go. So, Tim Archer is one of our deacons here at Stuart Heights. Chris Arnold is one of our deacons at Stuart Heights. Mitch is a deacon. He is not here this morning. Matt Ayers is a deacon. I am a deacon at Stuart Heights. And you know what we do? We deke. That's right. <laughs> We wait upon the needs and we serve. Like that is our job. So literally, if I were to start having a coughing fit right now and need water, I don't because like nine of you are going to stand up and go get it. Dave, sit down. Um, I, I would expect one of the deacons to be paying attention and to go handle that because that's what we do. Does this make sense? Okay, good. So he's bringing aid to the saints. Verse 26, for Macedonia, it's this region in Greece, and Achaia, another region in Greece, have been pleased. They have been, they've had good pleasure to make some contribution. Now, if anybody has a translation other than the ESV, what does your translation say there for that word contribution? Anything else? Uh, another, the, word, the Greek word is koinonia, which is where we get our English word for fellowship. But uh, I've already got fellowship listed there as a definition. The first definition there is partnership. So we see this partnership that Paul is trying to help build and establish. And I said that wrong. Paul is trying to help them understand that it exists. Jesus Christ built the partnership across all of the individual congregations, individual churches, to see that they are one body in Christ. And the more he goes back and forth and brings aid and support and word, and aid and support and word, and aid and support and word, I feel connected to these other places. And it is good for us to hear and to listen to missionaries talk about what God is doing in other parts of the world. We feel connected in that way. 
So this is what he's doing here. He's going to make some contribution for the poor. These are the beggars among the saints at Jerusalem. So I'm going to, I'm going to put my finger there for just a second. If anybody ever starts talking to you about the garbage of the prosperity gospel, will you please just take them to Romans 15, 26? Because very, very clearly, Paul talks about these are saints at Jerusalem. There is nothing negative that he has against them in any way, shape, or form with their doctrine, and they are beggars. Okay? God did not promise us as believers wealth and riches and fame. He promised us him which is much better than wealth and riches and fame. So yay for God for giving us something that we really need as opposed to something that will eventually burn up one day. So I, I am grateful that, that God's sovereign hand and good pleasure and love for his children gives us something better than things. All right, verse 27. For they, the folks in Macedonia and Achaia, were pleased to do it. And they owe, they are indebted to them. For if the Gentiles, ethnos, have come to share, this is uh, koinonia, this is a different, this is a verb form of the koinonia before. It means to share with others. Here's your blank, share with others. Or to be a partaker, to distribute, to communicate. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought to also be of service to them in material blessings. And that word for ought is to be under obligation. There is an obligation that we have towards those that share spiritual things with us. So, pause. This is why we pay our preachers. Does this make sense? Because we'd like for them to eat and survive and feed us well so that we can be the sheep that God has called us to be. So there's an obligation. So make sure you get the map again. So the gospel spreads from Jerusalem out to Macedonia and Achaia. These folks are blessed spiritually, so they take their material blessings and send it back to Jerusalem, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. All right, so to be of service to them in material blessings. Verse 28, when therefore I have completed or, or fully accomplished, made perfect, performed, terminated this, and have delivered or stamped to them. This is the idea that there's some kind of a package and it was sealed and it, it was sent sealed and it was delivered sealed and nobody tampered with it. When I have delivered to them what has been collected or this fruit, I will leave for Spain by way of you. So Paul says, I will leave for Spain. Now, would you like to know what the blank is there? It's indicative which is a simple statement of fact. Paul believes from his perspective, he is going to Spain. This is not a hope. This is not a wish. This is not a distant dream. He plans to go to Spain. Now, for the purpose of the spreading of the gospel, would it be good for Paul to land in Spain? Like, we... I think you could probably put any country or region in the blank where I said Spain, and it would be a positive thing, right? I mean, this is, this is going to be good. The greatest evangelist in the history of the world, it, wherever he would land, he's going to be telling people about Jesus. This is going to be good. So he plans to go. And I keep hammering this point home because I want you to see how Paul himself was personally impacted by the gospel. It changed him because his whole life was centered around what town before? 
It was Jerusalem. Like, this is what he knew. This was, this was home base. This is where he lived. This is where he was famous. This is where he practiced the law. This is where he did his thing. And now it's, I got to go tell everybody. I just, I got a desire to go where nobody's ever heard before. So this is delivered to them what has been collected. I will leave for Spain by way of you. So I'm stopping by again to see you. And I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness or that which is filled up of the blessing. The Greek word is uh, eulogia. It's where we get our English word eulogy. That's your next blank there. I will come in the E-U-L-O-G-Y for those of you that suffer from not being able to spell eulogy like me. Um, I will come in the blessing or the eulogy of Christ. I'm going to come talking beautiful language about Christ. So verse 30. So I appeal, I pericleo, I uh, this, is the, uh, this is a word that is used to describe the work of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does in comforting us. So I appeal or I comfort you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together. And this word strive together means to struggle in company with. It's not, it's not the idea that we're, every, we're together and everything's great. No, this is, we're together and everything's hard, and I'm glad you're here with me because this is really hard. Right? Everybody get this? This is God didn't call us to do hard things alone, which is spectacularly wonderful. He sent Paul all over the place. And I have been standing here in front of this little legend the whole time. But this is 500 miles here. So we're talking about long distances. And everywhere he went, he either planted a church or touched base with a church. And it was fantastic. Because now he's got friends the next time he comes back through. Because it's going to be hard. So your blank is to be a partner or an assistant with. To strive together. To struggle in company with. <clears throat> to struggle with what? To struggle doing what, Miss Darla? Praying. For who? For Paul. Yeah. Now, this almost sounds a bit egotistical. Like if I stood up in front of you and said, I need you to struggle every single day in your prayer for me. Well, that sounds arrogant. Time out. What's he doing? Right? He's not going and plowing a field that's already been plowed. He's dropping the plow in soil that's never had a plow before. This is hard work. He's going to need people to support him financially with their prayers to show up and bring things. He writes letters later on in his life. He says, hey, bring this and bring this and bring this. I left this over here. I left this over here. I mean, there are, there are people whose New Testament ministry was to run and go get stuff for Paul. Like, and they made the book. Yes, they did. <laughs> and for all of eternity, the fact that he went and got the cloak is there. And I'm thinking, what was so special about this cloak? My goodness, what was it made? It was probably made by somebody who cared for him, right? You can get a cloak anywhere, but not one that was made by so-and-so, right? So he's, they were rope holders. That's exactly right. It was exactly what they were. All right, I got to move on from this. <clears throat> Struggle with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered. 
from the unbelievers. And this is the subjunctive. So this is the possibility again. He, he views there to be a possibility that he will go to Jerusalem. Because remember, they know him here. And they know him as somebody else. They knew him as the guy that was on our team and then left our team. And he wasn't just on our team. He was like either the captain or the co-captain of the team. And then he abandoned and went to the other team. So that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. And that my service, my ministering, my deaconing for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. So Paul had a concern that the work that he was doing wouldn't be acceptable to other believers. So if you doubt your ministry, you're not alone, but let's get over it and get busy for God because if we spend all of our time doubting, we're not going to get anything done. So that I may be delivered from the unbelievers and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. So that by God's will I may come to you with joy, with exceeding gladness and be refreshed in your company. And may the God of peace or prosperity and quietness and rest to set things together again be with you all. Amen. Now, what does it feel like Paul has done here in verse 33? The emotional tone of the letter. What does it feel like? Okay, thank Done. Thanks. Paul, mail it. And yet, in your Bibles, there's what? Another chapter. Hmm, I'm glad. Because if you thought Paul was getting personal in 15, we've just begun to get personal. Because 16, if I had my way, we would spend about three months going through 16. Because it is so incredibly personal. And we get to see what the gospel did to Paul. So, did anybody happen to count? How many eyes? 15. I, I hear a 15. I hear a second 15. Josh, Josh has got a 15. Do we agree it's 15? 15 times. Did somebody get a different number in the back? No, we won't talk about that. Absolutely. <clears throat> Wisdom is... Wisdom is winning right here. So, <laughs> Yeah, so Paul's getting very, very personal with this, right? Did anybody happen to count how many times you shows up? Because when you tell somebody you, like you're, I'm getting very personal when I say you and you and you. He says you nine times here, which is a lot of you. So he's being very personal. He's being very direct. So let's talk about a couple of things. So Paul wanted to go to, to Spain. We have no evidence that he actually really got there. But he had this good dream. And that was okay. Because in the New Testament, he, God doesn't chide him for desiring to go and to spread the gospel in places it hasn't been spread. So if you have a dream to do something for God that he has not allowed you to do yet, okay, that's not a bad thing. But please understand, he is the sovereign king of the universe, and he gets to decide whether or not we get to do these things. Let's jump to the application and the personalization. So what's the point? All right, so number one, material needs amongst Christians are real. Um, that's not just something that we gloss over. This is part of being in the body of Christ. Uh, so what do you think we do with that, number one, on the personalized? Yeah, give to those in need. 
I like meat better, but the, word, the sentence isn't structured well there. Meet those needs. Meet those needs. I like that better. I'm crossing that out on mine. So if you want to have the real right answer, you're going to write in meet those needs. Some of you are like, I'm not crossing out them. Yes, you can. It's okay. You'll get extra credit at the end of the final exam. Uh, application number two, material blessings should follow spiritual blessings. So support those who labor for the gospel with financial gifts, with encouragement. This, with, uh, they, here specifically, they provided shelter. Some of you probably grew up in churches where there was a prophet's chamber attached to the church, where when a missionary would come by, this is a place for the missionary to actually live in the facility while they were traveling around. Great. You, we have this massive gymnasium. We do this with all sorts of ministering, uh, ministering, uh, ministering, traveling people that come through. We say, hey, yeah, you can have these places. We have this massive complex. It's great. And then number three, plans change. Right? So plan, but submit to God's sovereignty. Um, I don't know at the end of Paul's life, what he was thinking about not getting the opportunity to go to Spain. But I'm going to get to ask him one day. And you know what I bet he's going to say? I bet he's going to say something to the effect of the good hand of a sovereign king was much wiser than my plans. Because he is. Uh, so, uh, next week we start uh, personal greetings. Uh, the first 16 verses of chapter 16. We're actually going to do that in two weeks. Uh, spend two weeks on that text because it's a, a bit of a long text. But I've got a couple of things to do this morning uh, before we go. So, George and Alicia... Come on up. I told you last week I hate this. This is my least favorite part of the body of Christ is saying goodbye. And it's really not goodbye. It's really so long or farewell for a little while or whatever. But um, So in number six, uh, the Lord spoke to Moses. And he told Moses to tell Aaron and his sons... Um, this is the blessing that I want to give to you, to give to the children of Israel. If you do that, you're going to make me do <laughs> I know. <laughs> now, uh, we are not the, technically the children of Israel. We're not Jews. But uh, I want to say a couple of things for George and Alicia, and then we're going to come up and pray over them. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. All right, guys, come on up here and help me out. Thank you. <clears throat> now, when we do this, this is what this looks like. You are physically touching somebody in front of you, so we are all touching them. Last week, I was not explicit about this. But this is what this looks like. George is fond of old school stuff. So I found an adaptation of the Heidelberg Catechism that we're going to pray for you this morning. So faithful Father, we praise you for your almighty and ever-present power. 
We trust in the power of your hand, which upholds heaven and earth and all creatures. We trust in the goodness of your rule over leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, knowing that all things come to us, not by chance, but from your fatherly hand. Help the Jacksons to be patient when things go against them, thankful when things go well, and confident for the future, knowing that nothing will separate them from your love. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Now, Knoxville's not that far. <laughs> so, so that's the way this is going to work. Yeah, you heard my... <laughs> that's right, you do have Sundays off. So George, I just literally prepped everybody in the room to provide you as much material support as possible if you guys need it this week with the move. So if they tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, I need help with something, what do we say? We say, yes, that is an honor to serve. So um, we love you guys. We're going to miss you. And um, that's how this works. So uh, at your tables is a piece of paper and the top of it says weekly update. And what I would appreciate is for you to write at the bottom of that uh, any uh, the names of everybody that's at your table, as and most of you have done that already because you're a little overachievers. And then if you have any prayer requests that uh, you would like for us to pray for either this week, there's a section for just this week, and then there's a section for ongoing. And if you write it in the ongoing, it'll show up in that big long list of prayer requests next week. Uh, and if you want to take a gander through that prayer request list uh, and clean up any or pray for some of those before you go, that would be very helpful. But after you have prayed as a table... Let me say that again. After you have prayed as a table, you don't just chatter for a couple minutes and then leave. After you have prayed as a table, then you are dismissed. If you don't pray as a table, you're going to be sitting here when we turn the lights out at 1130. So pray as a table and then you can go. Thanks, guys.